Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thank you for listening to Depictions Media Radio. Okay. Special guest, member of our jobs cabinet. Uh, today, I'm thrilled to have uh, Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, with us. As you all know, Secretary Walsh was mayor of the city of Boston for the last seven years. While mayor, he led the creation of close to 140,000 jobs, helped secure a statewide $15 an hour minimum wage, paid sick leave, and paid parental leave. He established universal high-quality pre-kindergarten for all children and free community college for low-income students. After following his father into Laborers Local 223 in Boston, Secretary Walsh rose to head the Building and Construction Trades Council from 2011 to 2013. Before serving as mayor, he was a state representative for one of the most diverse districts in Massachusetts. There he focused on creating jobs, protecting workers' rights, expanding mental health treatment, and investing in public transit. Uh, as always, he's happy to take a couple questions. I'll be the bad cop, but with that, we'll turn it over to you. Thanks, sure. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank you very much, Jen, and it's an honor to be here today. I want to also thank President Biden and Vice President Harris for inviting me to share an update on the economic recovery at this, in, this important moment in time. Uh, the news today under the President's leadership through the American Rescue Plan, the America's workforce is climbing out of a deep hole that COVID has put us in. Our recovery is building momentum, and many more Americans are certainly returning to work, as we can see. But we still have a long way to go, and there's a lot of work to do. Today's Bureau of Labor Statistics reported that the American economy added 916,000 jobs in the month of March. The unemployment rate edged down to 6% from 6.2% in February. Uh, that's certainly good news for over 900,000 working men and, men and women and families in this country. We saw significant job growth in most sectors of our economy. And it's clear that the national vaccine program is not only saving lives, but it's enabling more people to get back to work. Relief checks and expanded unemployment benefits are not only putting food on the table, they're also stimulating our local economy. They're support, the supports that are being put in place for rent, mortgages, child care, schools, small businesses, and emergency paid leave are giving workers the security they need to hold on and stop planning for a better future. The American Rescue Plan certainly has had positive effects across our economy, laying down the foundation for continued recovery. At the same time, over 8 million jobs that existed a year ago today are yet to return. Millions of people in this country are still hurting. And disparities within the workforce continues to be a major concern. The African-American unemployment rate in March was 9.6%. The Hispanic rate was 7.9% compared to the 5.4% for whites. In addition, barriers to the labor force participation for women continue to be a problem that has been exposed and exa exasperated during this pandemic. We must continue to address the fact that working people and communities already suffering the most from inequality were hit the hardest during the COVID illness and job loss. 
That's why American jobs plan proposed by the President Biden this week is so vital to our future. It tackles each of these issues head on in, with bold action. The plan offers a necessary path forward towards sustainable economic growth that is robust, competitive, and inclusive. As a former mayor, as Jen mentioned, as a former mayor, I know all about infrastructure needs. This plan will move us into the 21st century and to the forefront of the world in transportation, in clean energy, in high-speed internet, and will create millions of good jobs all across the United States. A report issued by Georgetown University's Center on Education and Workforce found that the American Job Plan would create over 8 million jobs for people with just a high school diploma alone. It would increase the share of infrastructure jobs from 11% to 14% of the jobs in this country, reviving the blue-collar, middle-class economy and all across our country. As Labor Secretary, I'm thrilled by the investment it would make for American workers in their skills, in their opportunities, and in their right to organize and advocate for better paying working condition and jobs. Those investments will create and open up access to good manufacturing and construction jobs. It will also, there's also a major investment in our caring professionals, an industry where one in six workers who are disproportionately women of color live in poverty. We've seen how much our families depend on child care and seniors care over the last year. Those skilled, compassionate workers need and deserve a better deal. The American Jobs Plan would also double the number of registered apprentices, apprenticeships over one million, while ensuring these programs reach those who have been left out in the past. I've, pers I've personally seen the benefits of union apprenticeships up close. As mayor, I launched an apprentice program as mayor and as a labor leader. I've seen them change lives of women and people of color in low-income communities in the city of Boston. For those reasons and many others, this plan that fuels that, that is the fuel to a true engine of our economy. The working people certainly can will work run off that. It's not only the numbers that tell the story of the economy. This is about the conversations Americans are having at kitchen tables all across our country. Over the last two weeks, I've talked to parents, I've talked to childcare providers, I've talked to small business owners, members of the labor unions, frontline public employees, and federal and local employees. Mayors all across America, cities both large and small. I've talked to senators, I've talked to a couple of governors. They continue to be concerned about the situation and what they're seeing in their communities. But everyone seems to be optimistic and hopeful. They all see a pathway forward. Today's data shows while jobs are coming back, un unemployment remains a necessary lifeline for too many people, for millions of Americans. But a new opportunity, a good job, providing for your family, building up your community, those are the things that will allow us to dream again. And that's exactly what we're working for in this administration and all across America. With that, I'll take some questions. All right, Andrea. Secretary Walsh, um, we've got some coal, factory owners in the Midwest telling us that they're have really struggling to get people to take their jobs. So if we're going to add 19 million jobs, um, where are the people who take those jobs going to come from? And how do you, do you need to do extra training? Well, first of all, in this bill, there is job training money and there's workforce development money. And I also think, I think the biggest thing that a lot of, what I've heard, a lot of workers are concerned about is COVID-19. People are still afraid of the impacts of COVID-19, still too many deaths, uh, too much loss of life. Uh, and I think that, the, I know this, that the president's plan is a competent plan, a vaccine plan to get more and more shots out. And the president, I think, doubled down on his efforts the other day about, about the vaccine. Uh, his, he reaches his vaccine goal of 100 million vaccine shots, and now he's shooting towards the 100, 200 million. Um, 
that's going to make a difference. And I think what we've seen a little bit in some of the economy today, the numbers, is people feeling comfortable coming back into the workforce. People need to feel safe. Uh, the President stressed today, wear a mask, wash your hands, soap and warm water, physical distance, be careful, um, you know, stay, stay separate. Uh, all of those things are still very much you have to do any state, any city in this country. I mean, there are gaps, and even now, even you know, sort of, even before COVID, there were gaps between what was available in terms of jobs and people who were willing to take them for you know, sort of manufacturing positions and things like that. I mean, I think that the numbers right now, when you look at the numbers, we still have eight point, I think it's eight point four million people out of work. Uh, the people, and there's another, another, you know, two million people that, that are not in the workforce. Again, I, I think it comes down to safety. I think it comes down to fear. Even in, within the Department of Labor, uh, a lot of conversations I've had with the employees of the Department of Labor asking us, you know, when do we come back? You know, how, how, what are the safety precautions going to be put in place? Uh, you know, we're not bringing people back right now. I, I think that as mayor of the city of Boston, I heard it every day. Uh, people want it. Companies and people want people to come back into work, but people are still fearful. I think as we get through the next couple of weeks, here, I think I think that will, that that will shift and change. I think as people get vaccinated, as more and more people continue to get vaccinated, I think you'll see more and more people want to come back into the workforce. Uh, what will uh, the impact on these travel changes that are taking place? The CDC is saying those who are fully vaccinated can travel. Obviously, hospitality, travel, entertainment have been big sectors that have suffered a great deal. What do you see as the uh, sort of comeback arc time-wise for those areas of the economy to have employment coming back? You know, again, that's a great question. I, I think that, again, it comes back to people feeling safe and comfortable. Um, I don't mean to keep going back to being the mayor of Boston, but one of our major industries is tourism. Uh, we haven't ha held a convention at the convention center in Boston for over a year. Um, my office overlooked Faneuil Hall. Uh, that would they'd be a day like today. There'd be thousands of people shopping at Faneuil Hall. Uh, if I were in my old office today, looking out the window, I'd probably see half a dozen. Uh, again, I think the, the more that we can get the vaccine out to people, the more we can get shots in people's arms, the more that we can control the virus and eliminate the virus. That that is going to be key. I mean, I can't stress. And I know President Biden said it today. I can't stress the fact enough of wearing a mask. Uh, there, there are people that, that won't wear a mask. Well, wear a mask for the people around you, uh, making sure that you're, you're, you're being safe and, and, and getting testing, testing. All of those things are so important to moving us forward. Um, the hospitality industry had a, had a pretty good day today when you look at the numbers. The numbers show that. Uh, a lot of our restaurants had, ha, are starting to reopen and open across the country. Um, but they're not there yet. So we, we need to do everything we can within our power. To, to, to combat this virus and beat this virus back. If we truly want a full recovery, and, and it's great to see more and more people traveling, uh, but we also, there's many more people that, that just won't get on the plane right now. They're even with the vaccine, they're worried. So we just have to continue to, to educate and continue to fight this virus back. Nancy? Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Um, as you know, the $15 an hour minimum wage fell out of the COVID relief bill. Is it your expectation that that will be part of phase two of the infrastructure and jobs plan? Well, I think, you know, the president's been very clear. Uh, he is very supportive, as I am, of raising the minimum wage. And I think that we will continue to work uh, till we get a vehicle that we can, can have a debate and a vote on the minimum wage. I think that the minimum wage is really, you know, when you look at the aspects of today's plan, uh, one of the areas that we saw a lot of growth was in uh, low-skilled mostly a lot of high school dropouts that came into the workforce, low-waged earners. Minimum wage changes that dynamic. Uh, those same workers coming back, having a minimum wage, raises their wages, which actually put more money back into the economy. So that's something that I know the President's focused on. 
I'm focused on and Secretary of Labor, and I know there's other members of the administration going to be focused on that as well. But you haven't decided whether that'll be part of phase two. That's a conversation I have to have with the president. And then um, on today's job numbers, one of the things we noticed was that the unemployment rate for Asian Americans went up almost a full percentage point, even though uh, those numbers dropped for almost every other demographic group, or at least stayed the same. Do you know why? That no, that came up in the conversation in my briefing this morning, so they're still diving in to try and figure out what that's all about, so we'll get some information on you. We didn't have the information today, They're trying because it seems a little, uh, everyone brought that, that number kind of jumped out, everyone saying there's something not right here. Thank you. Um, on the infrastructure plan, um, to what extent should union jobs be prioritized in that infrastructure plan? I think in a, in a lot of ways, I mean, a lot of those jobs will be union jobs. I, I think that it's important, though, that to make sure that those jobs that the that are inside this bill, whether it's road and bridges, whether it's water upgrading, whether it's VA, all, all of those construction jobs, if you will, uh, I think it's really important that there, there's good wages with those jobs. Uh, the president, and I, I believe in collective bargaining. The president believes in collective bargaining. Uh, so certainly support having higher wages there. Again, I mean, we'll have to see where this bill ends up and what's actually in the bill. Uh, but we believe in it in those areas. The building trades actually support this piece of this part of legislation uh, because it's about infrastructure, it's about building roads and bridges and and all the other things that are going to be here. So. Um, you know, I think it's important to have obviously good make this this part of the bill uh, is certainly one of those that creates entry points into the middle class for people. And then on addressing income inequality, is the labor labor department going to do anything different as far as gauging numbers? Is are you planning to change the way you count? Yeah. The data for people so today was my first jobs day, <laughs> and, and uh, I had my first briefing uh, at eight o'clock this morning, and. Um, it was, I had a quick briefing yesterday, but not about the numbers today. Uh, and one of the things that, that, I, that I did bring up in the conversation was uh, about women who have been pushed out of the workforce. Uh, Two million women have been pushed out of the workforce during COVID. Uh, so we talked about that. Uh, as mayor, dealing with uh, inequality, in uh, women's inequality when it comes to, to getting paid what a man makes, and then looking what a white woman compared to a person, of, a woman of color, to a Latino, so I brought that up today. Uh, so what I want to do is do deeper dives with the, these stats uh, because you can't fix a problem. Well, the, the stats are there, but you can't address a problem correctly if you don't have the stats. So I have a whole different group of people now, economists, that are going to help me with this, and I intend on using that to, to help um, close these gaps, and, and people of color as well. Um, close these gaps is important. And part of the American Jobs Plan, uh, you know, when we think about as, as it goes through the process through Congress, uh, we think about what the numbers say and how do we create sh and, and draw up programs through workforce development, registered or union apprenticeships and other places. How can we make sure that those investments are targeted? So those are all things that we can collectively do. And also work with commerce, uh, work with transportation, uh, all of my colleagues, other secretaries, because this issue of inequality uh, is not just a, a labor issue, it's all across the board. Darlene? Thank you. Uh, 916,000 jobs. Do you think that pace of hiring is sustainable? I hope so. Uh, I was asked a question like that earlier today. Uh, you know, again, there's too many variables with the virus to, to say uh, that that next month could be better. Um, you know, when we, we think about uh, the summer, um, you know, if you go back to a year ago, uh, the virus was, was at its uh, surging. Uh, and then the months of May, June, July, August, September, we started to get back. It started to, to look good, and people started to come back out and go to work. And then the holidays came, and we saw a spike after Thanksgiving. We saw another spike after Christmas. And, and, and I think that, you know, the virus is unpredictable. 
that's why I think there's a couple different components here. Uh, the American Jobs Plan, pushing to get that passed is key. Uh, number one. Number two, making sure we continue to have when the CDC is up here talking about uh, wearing masks and, and the, the need to, to be careful, we have to pay attention to that. Uh, and then all of the other questions that I've gotten today, whether it's women in the workforce or, or factory workers not wanting to come back, all of that's connected. So I just think we have to continue a plan. And, you know, I'm confident that, you know, when President Biden got sworn in, um, he came up with a COVID plan right off the bat. He had a direction where he wanted to go. Uh, he he's been talking about the, um, the um, vac vaccinations, 100 days, 100 million, doubling that number up. So w what he's laid out is working. Now, we just need to continue to work with our partners in state and local governments. We need to work with our governors. We need to work with our mayors, our town managers, our city councilors, our town council. We have to continue to work collectively with all those groups. Last one. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mr. Secretary, the um, President just spoke about his concern for people that have been long-term unemployed, you know, over 27, 30 weeks. You know that right now that's such a big proportion of people that are, that are out of work. Is there anything you can do, any specific efforts underway to help uh, people who are experiencing long-term unemployment? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the American Rescue Plan uh, addresses some of that. And, and right now, um, again, um, um, this is my second week. Uh, I've had some, some conversations with our workforce development folks to think about how can we make some target investments in some places. Some of those folks, um, for example, like you have restaurants around, around the country uh, that people work in them. They, they've gone out of business because of COVID because they lost their business. Some of those folks may, might not want to go back into that industry. So how do we, and some of those folks are probably the people the president was talking about today, how do we find those folks, get them trained into other, other opportunities and other skills that they can take advantage of, of jobs that are here today? I think that that's one of the things I would, we have to do. And do you support the push by Amazon workers in Alabama to unionize? You know, I support everyone's right to collectively bargain. Um, I think we're all kind of waiting to see what the result of that election is, but I certainly believe everyone, as the president does, everyone should have the right uh, to join a union if they choose. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. I did tell him next time he comes back, he won't get as nice of an introduction. So he's prepared for that. Um, just a couple of items for all of you at the top. Uh, three new reports over the last 24 hours underscore the critical importance of passing the American Jobs Plan, the jobs it will create, the type of workers who will benefit from it, and why we can pay for it by asking big corporations to, to pay their fair share. First are the jobs. A report from Moody's Analytics that came out yesterday afternoon projects that the economy will create 19 million jobs over the next decade if Congress passes the American Jobs Plan. Moody's also projects that the plan will help reduce the unemployment rate and drive up labor force participation on a sustained basis over the decade. A lot of the benefits will, t will continue once the American Rescue Plan uh, is played through. Uh, second are the blue-collar workers who are going to benefit from this plan. According to another report from Georgetown University's Center on Education and the Workforce, an investment like the jobs plan would, quote, reverse a long-term decline in jobs and earnings for those with high school diplomas or less, which Secretary Walsh already touched on, creating 8 million jobs for this population. Create jobs at every education level, but the majority of infrastructure jobs will be for people with no more than a high school diploma. Uh, finally, uh, is why 
we can uh, pay for this once in a century investment in jobs and growth by asking corporations to pay their fair share. Another new report, people were busy reporting yesterday, uh, by the Institution on Taxation and Economic Policy revealed that 55 big corporations paid zero dollars in federal taxes on 2020 profits. In fact, these companies actually received billions of dollars in tax refunds. So we believe they can pay more of their fair share so that we can help fund this uh, in this once-in-a-generation investment. Uh, a couple of other scheduling uh, announcements. Um, President Biden looks forward to welcoming Prime Minister Suga, Suga to the White House on uh, the Japanese Prime Minister, in case you all were not following, to the White House on, on Friday, April 16th. This will be our first in-person visit from a foreign leader in the Biden-Harris administration, reflecting the importance we place on our bilateral relationship with Japan and our friendship and partnership with the Japanese people. Uh, we look forward to sharing more details, of course, in the days to come. Finally, on a week ahead, on Monday, uh, the President, well, there will be no Easter egg roll um, next year. We'll, we'll do a big one. But he will deliver remarks on the tradition of Easter at the White House. On Tuesday, he will participate in an event uh, on the state of vaccinations. And on Wednesday, he will participate, the President will participate in an event on the historic investments in the American Jobs Plan. That, Darlene. Thank you, Jen. Um, I wanted to ask you, I have a COVID question. Sure. And just a little while ago, we heard the President appeal again to people to take the coronavirus seriously, saying that um, you know, too many people are acting as if this fight is over, and it's not. So I'm wondering why does the President think, or you or the White House or the COVID team, why do you think this message isn't breaking through for some people? Why, why, why does he have to keep saying it again and again and again? Well, we have always anticipated that there would be ups and downs. Uh, and that's why the President, the Vice President, and all of us have continued to reiterate that we uh, are at war with the virus, that we need to be vigilant. Uh, and that's a message you've heard from him and members of our health team throughout the past several months, even when people were feeling more and more confident uh, out in the American public. Uh, we don't view the uh, observation of public health guidelines as a uh, political step. We view it as a step that helps save lives. Uh, some people uh, view it otherwise. But what our focus is on is on uh, ensuring that we are uh, expediting uh, the uh, getting vaccinations out to pharmacies, doubling the number of pharmacies that have them, more than doubling, uh, expediting, increasing the amount of vaccines that are going out to states, which we saw an, a dramatic increase in that. And we're also working with local mayors, business owners, and uh, at the individual level to continue to reiterate uh, what has long been our consistent message. Is that message that it's too early to celebrate? I mean, how much, how, how often or how much of that is part of the public education messaging? There are some PSAs that the administration is doing. Uh, how much of that message is part of that campaign? The big focus of the public campaign is we can do this and that uh, it's important to take the vaccine. And obviously increasing, partnering that public messaging with our efforts to expedite in getting more vaccines out, increasing the number of vaccination sites, the number of vaccinators, we're doing those in partnership and also uh, working uh, and, and, and investing, I should say, a significant amount of our public education efforts in local partners, which we've seen to be the most effective effort. So that's one of the reasons why that is where the majority of our funding through the, for that public campaign is going. And one other quick question uh, regarding the call the president had today with the president of Ukraine. Yeah. Are you able to say if Donald Trump and the investigation that he sought into the Bidens from the Ukrainian government 
did that come up at all during the conversation? I know we've put out a readout um, of the call. I'm not aware of that coming up on the call. Yeah, that was not in the readout. Okay, thank you. Sure, go ahead. Uh, so just to back up on Ukraine, are you concerned about Russian disinformation? Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. About the activities that the border, uh, you know, this has been a continuing theme. And then I have another one after that. You're absolutely, <laughs> you are um, absolutely right, Andrea. It has been a continuing theme. We, we've seen this, seen this movie before of the uh, disinformation campaign that uh, Russia has uh, implemented in the past as it relates to uh, their aggressions uh, at the border of Ukraine. Uh, so uh, that is certainly something we are watching. Uh, we are uh, concerned about, uh, and we will continue to communicate uh, from here, but also with our partners in Europe about. Okay, and then just on the uh, sort of uh, jobs and, and infrastructure mm -hmm. package, package, Reuters polls sort of show wide support for the infrastructure package and even for corporate tax increases. But when we, when Reuters asks poll, you know, Republicans, they are the part. The support is very partisan. So the, the you know, and there's a sense that Dem Republicans will not support anything that has basically a Democratic president's name on it. How do, you, how do you change that dynamic? The president talked about it just before mm -hmm. and you know said he thinks that Republican voters will speak, but our polling shows that they're going to follow the leader. Well, I haven't looked at your particular polling, but consistently in polling we've seen about 80% of the public believes we need to invest in our infrastructure across the country and that that is long outdated. And the president doesn't believe that's a political issue, uh, whether it's roads, railways, bridges, access to broadband. Access to broadband is an issue that is certainly the case, a challenge, I should say, in inner cities and lower income communities, but is also an issue across rural America, many parts of the country that are redder in, in the political sense and have more predominantly Republican populations. I think what our focus is going to be on is continuing to communicate the different components of these this package and how it's going to specifically help the American people. Uh, we don't see it as a politically charged package or as a partisan package. And most polls you look at, when you look at the components of it, as you alluded to, uh, agree, uh, are consistent with that. Um, so that's what our focus will be on. We just announced it two days ago, so. Just real quick, on another foreign policy one. So in, in, in Geneva, I'm sorry, in uh, Vienna now, there's this discussion about having U.S. and Iranian uh, negotiators are to be in Vienna at the same time, but not meeting directly. Right. Um, can you say a word about what you expect to come out of that shuttle diplomacy and how soon you think you could actually sit down at the table together with the Iranians? Sure. Well, for everyone... For people who haven't been following it as closely as you, let me catch you up. Uh, we've agreed to participate in talks with our European, Russian, and Chinese partners to identify the issues involved in a mutual return to compliance with the JCPOA 
with Iran. This is a welcome uh, and potentially constructive early step, even if the dip diplomatic road ahead may be long, as it was uh, during the first negotiations around the JCPOA. We are very clear-eyed about the hurdles that remain. Uh, these talks will be structured around working groups that the EU is going to form with the remaining partners in the JCPOA, including Iran. And the primary issues that will be discussed are the nuclear steps that Iran would need to take in order to return to compliance with the JCPOA, and the sanctions relief steps the United States would need to take in order to return to compliance as well. We don't anticipate presently uh, that there will be direct talks between the United States and Iran through the process, though we certainly remain open to them. Go ahead, Ben. On the southern border of the United States, uh, Customs and Border Protection has some new preliminary numbers about unaccompanied minors crossing in March, and they are way, way up. 18,500, uh, again, preliminary number, but a big jump. Suggesting it's more than seasonal, suggesting it's more than uh, just the conditions on the ground. Is there a sense now that uh, the administration needs to do something different in terms of the message of this is not the time to come, but children who are unaccompanied will be protected and cared for and be able to stay? Is there any movement on that as the message? That continues to be our message, and we continue to look for ways to uh, project it uh, more broadly and more effectively in the region. But that is a sliver of what our efforts are, and we don't feel that simply telling people with more PSAs uh, not to come, that that is going to be uh, the only way to reduce the number of people who are taking the journey. So in addition to that, we of course have these conversations that started last week that are that will be ongoing and will continue with our envoy and our officials who will be working uh, within uh, with governments and officials in the Northern Triangle to talk about addressing conditions and talk about reducing the temptation to travel. Some of that will, of course, be aid and assistance and a discussion of that. The President's proposed $4 billion in his own plan. Uh, but some of it will be, of course, continuing to communicate directly with the region. Uh, and we also uh, will continue to reiterate that our policy remains in place in terms of uh, implementing uh, Title 42 authority and that the vast majority of adults are turned away. These numbers are certainly um, you know, uh, it, we, we are not naive about the challenge, but what our focus is on is solutions and actions to help address the unaccompanied minors who are coming across the border and making it uh, less of an incentive to come, including also uh, continuing to implement the Central American Minors Program so kids can apply and un people under 18 can apply from in-country. Does the President see the Vice President's role in stewardship of this issue dealing with more than diplomacy and dealing with some of the operational issues that are being dealt with along the border with the Bureau and uh, Border Patrol and HHS? Uh, no, that's a role that, of course, the Department of Homeland Security is playing. Uh, Alan Mayorkas, the Secretary, who has a great deal of experience dealing with challenges at the border and implementing it. Now we also have a Secretary of Home, uh, Health and Human Services who is in place, uh, who can work in partnership, and they have oversight, as you know, over a number of the shelters, and that's an, a key part of the partnership. But the Vice President's role is really focused on the Northern Triangle. But following up there, um, if it's such a pressing issue, I know you've been asked this in the room before, but if it's such a pressing issue, why hasn't the administration named a CBP commissioner or an ICE director yet? 
those are certainly important roles um, and ones that we are eager to fill. I don't have an update on the personnel there, but we also have a number of experienced um, leaders, uh, including the Secretary of Homeland Security, who had served as Deputy uh, Secretary in the past, and others throughout the agencies who are implementing our work on a daily basis. Uh, just last week, you were asked if there was a consideration for immigrant in particular to be in either of those spots. You said you talked to the president about that. You had that conversation with him. Does he think that's important? I don't have anything more about what characteristics will go into the personnel other, other than somebody who's qualified and, of course, prepared to implement as quickly as possible. But uh, we don't have a shortage of talented, experienced, qualified personnel addressing these issues. That's not the biggest challenge we're focusing on right now. The biggest challenge is expediting processing, ensuring we have more shelters available. We've made some progress in those areas, but there's still certainly more work to be done. Can I ask you too quickly, just on um, the Georgia law, I, I had a conversation with the lawyer for um, Representative Cannon who was arrested there outside Governor Kemp's office, and he said over and over he thought the Justice Department needed to get involved in what was going on in Georgia. The President last week said that the Justice Department was looking into its options, that he was looking into options. Can you update us on whether there's if, if there's anything to update us on, uh, just about looking into options to get there involved. There just wouldn't be from here. Uh, it's an independent Justice Department, so I would certainly refer to them on any plans they have. And any response from the White House to get involved? I mean, any update on whether the White House in any way will respond to the Georgia law? Well, in, in what? In well, beyond the beyond the Department of Justice? I mean, so is that it? It will only come from the Justice Department? Well, so I don't really understand your question. I guess he's, the President said he was looking into his options. So yeah. are there any other options beyond what we would see from the Justice Department? Well, I think there's one category, right, of legal action. We'd leave that in the Department of Justice hands. They're an independent agency, right, in that sense. They'll make independent decisions, I should say. Uh, the President, I think, was referring broadly to the importance of continuing to advocate for the expansion of voter access and the expansion of making it easier for people to uh, use their, their civic duty uh, to, to elect officials. So there are obviously pieces of legislation that are working their way through Congress. That's a way he'll continue to be involved. He will continue to uh, communicate with and work with lit leaders like Stacey Abrams and others who are, um, you know, uh, implementing grassroots activi activism across the country. So there are a lot of roles the president can play. I would just put it in a different category than whether there's a Department of Justice legal step, because that would be up to the Attorney General. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. Um, on the issue of voting rights, the President said that he would support Major League Baseball moving the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. Now a similar bill has passed the State Senate in Texas. So does the President believe that Texas businesses should move out of the state or boycott the state if this bill is signed into law? Well, first he was, uh, he didn't call for businesses to boycott. Businesses have made that decision themselves, of course. He also was dic not dictating that Major League Baseball uh, move their game out of uh, Georgia. He was conveying that if that was a decision that was made, uh, that he would certainly support that. And that's true in the context of, um, of the remarks he made in that interview. What does the President believe the responsibility of businesses is in this debate? They're in, in terms of activism or in taking? Of, yeah, when it comes to voting rights bills in the states where they reside mm -hmm. and what they, where they call home, what does the President believe the responsibility is of businesses when it comes to this issue of voting rights? Well, the President has made his 
view clear um, that he believes uh, that he has major concerns about the bill passed in Georgia. He's consistently argued it should be easier and not harder to vote. Um, and he believes that making it a criminal act to deliver water to people waiting in line is not making it easier. Uh, we're also not calling from here for specific actions from businesses. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more? The president said this morning that his infrastructure plan would create 19 million jobs. Mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit more about how the White House came up with that figure? It's not our figure. It's actually a figure by Moody's. Okay. Um, and then uh, on another subject, is, is the president aware of the reporting and the investigation into Congressman Matt Gates, and does he believe that the congressman should resign? I don't think we have any further comment. I'd refer you to the legal authorities on that. Go ahead. Can I ask you about the funding and the rescue plan for Medicaid expansion, uh, specifically whether the administration is reaching out for the dozen states that have not expanded to encourage them to take that funding, and how flexible you're likely to be on any waiver requests for things like adding health savings accounts or work incentives um, that some states say that, that would have to be included in order for them to expand? It's a great question. I, obviously, the president is certainly uh, supportive of and an advocate for states expanding uh, Medicaid, access to Medicaid. He thinks it's a way to ensure more people are covered in states and have access to affordable health care. Uh, but in terms of flexibility, I'll have to talk to Jean, who I want to get in here and talk to you guys soon, too, about any specifics there about those discussions with states. But, so, but are you doing anything in terms of reaching out to them, any outreach campaigns in general? Aside from whether whether you're talking specifics about waivers yet, but yeah. just just doing anything, you're doing a lot of outreach on the other components of the ACA and the rescue plan in terms of educational campaigns. Is there anything going on specifically on the Medicaid expansion? We're in we're in touch with um, leaders and governors about all components of the implementation, and that's something. And I just referenced Gene because he's overseeing that effort. Go ahead. Uh, thanks, Jen. Um, on Russia again, in mm -hmm. the international payment system, is the White House still seriously considering? disconnecting them from that payment system, that SWIFT system? Is that still a live round? Um, let me see, uh, Jen, if I have anything on specifically on this. I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past. Um, I don't know if I have anything new on this. Um, I'm happy to talk to our national security team and see if we have a specific. Great. And then is there any update on the budget preview document that the White House was talking about putting out? We expect it to be soon, uh, but not today or this weekend. So rest easy. Okay. Thank you. Go ahead. Thanks, Jen. I have a couple different questions. I wanted to ask about the President's Easter plans because he said on his phone call with faith and family community leaders that he would probably get together with family for Easter because they've all been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So what kind of message is that sending if he's asking Americans not to have small gatherings until the 4th of July, but he's saying he'll be with family for Easter. So can you clarify how big family well, I don't have a specific number of family members, but I can assure you that uh, the president is uh, strives to be a role model um, in every aspect of how he's living uh, in this difficult time we're all going through. Uh, he obviously um, uh, has a, a, a wife he's been married to for some time. He has a couple grandkids who he sees uh, when he goes to Delaware, but it's a limited group and certainly not the big Irish Biden clan that um, many of you have seen throughout the course of his time in public office. So all his immediate family have been vaccinated. I don't have any more updates on his immediate family. Did you have another question? I did. Um, I did want to ask about one question about Congressman Matt Gates. Is the White House concerned that since he sits on the Judiciary Committee, which oversees the Justice Department, which is investigating him, should he at least step down from that committee? Is that a Those are decisions that will let uh, leaders in Congress make. Go ahead. 
Thank you, ma'am. Um, a couple quick questions. Mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic, we've seen deaths of despair increase, and there's concern with regards to the designation of fentanyl analogs as Schedule One. Um, I'm hearing from folks on Capitol Hill um, that because the substance expires on May 1st, they're worried that it, if the uh, that scheduling one of fentanyl analogs doesn't um, get renewed by May 1st, mm -hmm. that more of that drug could come across the southern border. I know Manchin and Portman uh, have a bill on this. Yeah. Uh, does the president support making analogs permanently schedule one? It's a really good question. I know that in terms of addressing the flow at the border, that would certainly be the State Department um, to address. I, I'll have to talk uh, to our legislative team about kind of our role in this legislation. Well, and then, um, you know, the president had voiced his support for MLB making a decision about the All-Star Game in Georgia. Um, I'm wondering, when can we expect a final determination from the president about the United States participating in the Beijing Olympics, given that he said the Chinese president doesn't have a democratic bone in his body? Well, I think the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, would play a big role in... Uh, in on Major League Baseball here in the United States. He actually didn't, I, I think, I don't know if you heard the, the answer, the question, the answer that happened a few minutes ago where we addressed this, and I answered the question. So, uh, and I give a little more context, but maybe you weren't paying attention to that part. Let's go to the last, go ahead in the back. Um, I have a question and one from a colleague who cannot be here with us. The first one is, we've seen a surge of cases in Canada, in Quebec, in Ontario in particular. Um, we repeat that the best way to break surges are vaccinate fast and, and as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Trying to understand why the U.S. wouldn't loan more uh, doses to Canada. Well, uh, as you all know, and I think everybody in here knows, uh, we are loaning approximately 1.5 million doses of AstraZeneca uh, to Canada, allowing them to receive doses sooner than they would through the normal procurement process. And we agree that the vaccine uh, the virus, I should say, knows no borders, and it's important to be uh, play a uh, role in our global effort to get the pandemic under control. But the president, as the president of the United States, his focus is on ensuring uh, adult Americans and the American people are vaccinated. Uh, as we've seen, as we've been talking about a little bit in this briefing, we know there are going to be ups and downs in that, and we've seen some areas where the vaccinate where the the virus numbers have gone up from what they have been before. We we know this is going to be an up and down uh, war against this virus. So that's where our focus needs to remain. But we remain open to the requests that are coming in from Canada to other countries around the world. We'll continue to discuss them. Because you were talking about the, the, the virus, of course, uh, not respecting borders. And, and so I have a like side questions on this because the, the, the fastest Canadians will be vaccinated, the earliest we could open the border. Um, and has it been, uh, do you know if it's been evaluated uh, how much it would help the U.S. economy and, and, to the, and the growth of new jobs if the, the restrictions at the border were quickly loosened? I, I don't have any numbers on that. I, I will say that we certainly are eager to continue the constructive, productive relationship we have uh, with the government of Canada, with the people of Canada. Uh, but our first priority right now is uh, defeating the virus and ensuring the American people are vaccinated. And last, oh, the, my last question is for, for, from uh, Lalit Jha, our colleague okay. from the press of India. Um, can you tell more about the possibility, because uh, India and uh, South Africa have made a formal request at the WTO 
about lifting intellectual property uh, protections for COVID vaccine and treatment. Uh, are, are the, is the U.S. ready to consider this? Uh, I, I know we've been asked about this before, but I don't have any update on it. Sure, go ahead. Just to follow up on the, the budget, um, is there a reason why it was delayed? We heard it was coming this week, so is there any reason why um, it was delayed? I expect it to be very soon, um, but and I, I I don't have an exact day for you, but I expect it to be quite soon. I, I wouldn't read into it more than that. Okay, and then on the infrastructure package, mm -hmm. we saw that the president during the campaign released a much larger package that would address uh, climate change needs in a much bigger way than this package does. Should we expect the White House to release more uh, proposals for spending um, in a way that would address climate change and infrastructure that's in line with what he proposed during the campaign? Well, uh, first let me say that, um, you know, this package um, recognizes uh, the profound urgency and existential threat of the climate crisis, and it recognizes the opportunity before us to rebuild our nation's infrastructure, power our nation with clean energy, and right the wrongs of past environmental justice. There is a significant amount in this package on uh, climate uh, green jobs. Um, it will position the U.S. to meet President Biden's goals of creating a carbon-neutral power sector by 2035 and a clean energy economy by 2050. So it has a lot of good work in there uh, by rebuild, building modern, sustainable, and resilient infrastructure, ensuring clean, safe drinking water is a right and available to all communities, revolutionizing electric vehicle manufacturing, mobilizing the next generation of conservation and resilience workers. But climate and the crisis is a priority. It's one of the four crises the president has talked about being a priority for him as president. And certainly this is not the end of our work in addressing the climate crisis. So there could be a round two or, you know, perhaps in, in terms of addressing some of this uh, with more spending? I expect we'll continue to work on uh, solutions and options for addressing the climate crisis. But this package, this uh, that's been proposed, this $2 trillion package, is a climate bill in many ways, um, and there's a lot of um, uh, work in there that is going to help uh, revolutionize the clean energy uh, jobs market. Go ahead in the back. Um, you talked about um, the new CDC guidelines earlier for travel. Yeah. And if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to uh, have a COVID test if you're mm -hmm. traveling abroad. How do you police that? How do we release it? Police that. Oh, police that. I mean, do you have that's a private sector uh, initiative and one that uh, we expect that they would be the drivers of uh, to determine. It's just these are public health guidelines in terms of what is safe, and that's why the CDC updated them. But when you heard Martin Walsh talking about how you know people are wary about coming back to work because yeah. of these things, do you think that there might come a time where you need to have vaccine passports, which will kind of be your way, your gateway to carrying on normal life? Again, this was a proposal made. A lot of private sector industries and companies, whether it's the airlines or even venues where they're looking to forward to having big ticket events or soccer uh, games, they're looking for ways to uh, figure out how they can bring people back to normal and make things uh, normal again. So uh, this is really driven by the private sector, uh, but uh, and we'll see what they come up with. No for government in this. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's a security situation at the U.S. Capitol that I know you're not aware of yes. right now. Um, can you just remind us, with the president not on campus here, who's with him to brief him on issues 
Um, there's a lockdown going on right now. There are reports of, of gunfire. That's all I know from sitting here. But you, can you just remind us of when the president's not here, how he's informed of these things? Absolutely. Um, I'm obviously I'm not aware, as Kelly acknowledged, of the, of the situation at the Capitol. Uh, the president of the United States always travels with a national security rep, uh, of course, with an, uh, somebody who serves as essentially an acting chief of staff, uh, typically a member of the press team um, who travels regularly to kind of reconstruct uh, the team that's around him in the White House. And there have been some changes to the perimeter uh, outside here with the vice president no longer in residence at the, at the Blair House. Anyone aware if there's any change in posture to the security here at the White House? For currently in response to the events right now, uh, I don't have any update, but we will venture to get one for you should there be an impact. Thanks, everyone. Can you come back out? Yeah. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This show has been produced by Depictions Media. Please contact us at depictions.media for more information. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.